This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. All right, so let's go to flip the score. All right, Dan, go ahead and explain what you want to accomplish here because it's an interesting flip the score. Yeah, this will be a, a segment we do in our game recaps every week, and it's it's from a lesson I learned early in my career on the the beat in Minnesota, uh, 2011, covering the Vikings, and I had someone in the upstairs reaches of that building come to me after uh, a piece I wrote that may have been a little bit too glowing about one of their victories. It may have been, I don't remember specifically, but my guess, I make an educated guess to say that Christian Ponder probably had an okay game and a win. And it was like, okay, there's the arrival of Christian Ponder. Right. And, and, and essentially the lesson was in the NFL, right. And we saw this Sunday across the league that so many of these games come down to one or two plays and that the exact same game could be played and you could flip the score and get the opposite result and still be evaluating the same game, but viewing it from a different lens. And so it was basically a twist on the old, never get too high, never get too low, uh, (laughs) you know, mantra that, that coaches have in this league that, that if you go ahead and you change the way you're viewing a performance, by flipping the score, which then flips the result, all of a sudden you're emphasizing different things, right? So after a win, you want to show your team the errors that that ultimately could have cost them the game, right? That, that, that were game-losing plays. After a loss, you want to show them moments that were game-winning plays, that had they won, would have been game-winning plays. So let's pretend, for the sake of this discussion, that the San Francisco 49ers walked out of Soldier Field with this, pretty much the same game being played yesterday, but they were the ones with 19, the Bears were the ones with 10, what would we be talking about? What would we be emphasizing more in our discussion about the Chicago Bears if they were 0-1 instead of 1-0? That's a good way to start. That's a good way to look at it, too. And that's the only way they're going to get better is if they insist on looking at it that way. So let's start with you. What would you be looking at if the, we did flip the score? Yeah. So I, look, I circled a few things in my notebook, both during the game and then on the rewatch, that are are points, right? They're, they're points plays, right? And so when you, we talked how, how good the Bears were at avoiding penalties on Sunday afternoon, but a couple of those penalties cost them points. The first one is a offsides infraction on Justin Jones with the 49ers down in close. And it ultimately takes them off, you know, offers a first down when it's third and three for the 49ers. And they eventually get in the end zone on the Debo Samuel touchdown run. That jump by Justin Jones could cost you four points in that situation later in the first half. We all know about the towel play, right? The the infamous towel play. Now, listen, nobody knew that rule. And so Matt Eberflus, special teams coordinator, Richard Hightower, holder Trent Gill, kicker Cairo Santos, they're all to blame for not knowing that you couldn't go take a, a, a towel and and squeegee off the field in that, in that way. But that cost them three points. It cost them an opportunity at three points, right? They didn't get an opportunity in a half where they were struggling to move the ball to even try a 47-yard field goal. That's a problem. And then Cairo Santos misses two PAT kicks, weather conditions or not weather conditions. That's that's two points that come off the board. Certainly the first one, unable to extend to 14 to 10 and keeping it at, at 13 to 10 is, is a play that changes the games. Those are all things that we'd be talking about if the end result had been different. I was looking at it from a standpoint of if you do flip the score and let's say the Bears lost 19 to 10, 
either way, when you watch the tape again, as it did today a second time, they didn't stop the run. They didn't stop the run effectively enough for a team that has designs on being a defensive you know, first football team. And if, Matt Eberflus, you, there are going to be certain things about the, the cover two scheme and the 43 and all those things. You, you bend, you don't break, you wait for the other team to make a mistake and you rely on takeaways to, to pounce and capitalize. But that's painful to watch happen in real time. And I think when you saw the 49ers, I think it was 176 yards rushing. That's a lot. You get average four and a half yards or 4.8 yards per carry. That's too much. So if you're being critical of what the Bears did, yeah, 10 points, great defensive effort. Robert Quinn was right, but you gave up 176 rushing yards, and that's not acceptable in the NFL. You're going to get beaten more often than not if you continue to do that. So I think that's one of those things where you look at and say, okay, fine. And along those lines, as much as we want to compliment what the Bears did in the secondary, and I think that I'm encouraged by Jaquan Brisker, Certainly, uh, Kyler Gordon, he had a couple missteps, but Eddie Jackson coming through with a big takeaway and Jalen Johnson doing the peanut punch. Congratulations, guys. Now, wrap up. Now, make every tackle. Now, don't let running backs run through your grasp and and don't make arm tackles. Keep your head up, grab some cloth, and be technically sound. I loved it when Matt Eberflus said on Monday that they need to tackle better, and this is what they're going to look forward to doing and practicing Wednesday during individual drills because they need to tackle better. And I think defensively overall, that would be where I would be most critical because I do not want to give the offense a pass. Let's face it. That's the biggest project this season. Score touchdown, guys. Get better, Justin Fields. Let's figure out how to you know scheme our way into the end zone. But the rain, the conditions – almost makes me want to under put everything offensively into context. So defensively, the 49ers being in that same boat, challenged by the weather, they should have struggled more than they did. Trey Lance, they did make him play quarterback, and he couldn't do it, as Jalen Johnson said. But I wanted it to be more of a struggle. Defensively, they could have made it more of a struggle. Stop the run, tackle better, be more fundamentally sound, be that defense that you want to establish your identity as a football team. Well, and Matt Eberflus stressed the need to tackle better on Monday, and, and I think he was struck by that in his game review, that they need to just get there and, and, and finish plays a little bit harder in that regard. I'll give you some other numbers to go with that uh, rushing yardage number that you gave. The Bears were outgained 331 to 204 Sunday. Most weeks, that's not going to get you a W. They were <laughs> they were 5 for 14 on third downs. That's not going to get it done. 3.6 yards per play, even with the 51-yard broken play touchdown to Dante Pettis. Those numbers aren't going to get it done either. The other part of this discussion when we flip the score, sometimes you cannot celebrate the end result of a play if your contributions to that play were uh, basically skewed because the other team screwed up. And so when Trey Lance misses a 32-yard touchdown pass to a wide-open Tyler Croft who gets open because Roquan Smith loses him in coverage, all of a sudden when you go back in the film room, you got to say, Roquan, that almost cost us a touchdown there. You've got to be on that guy just because the quarterback sailed the pass like we've seen Bears quarterbacks do forever doesn't mean we we won that play. We lost that play. They just screwed it up. Similar notion, the Tayshawn Gibson missed, missed interception, right? That's an interception that Justin Fields threw there. Yeah. The, the veteran safety gave that's him it. a break. I mean, it, yeah. it, that's a pick. And so you have Gift. to coach him in that moment that that position, that possession was a sudden change turnover because you made a terrible throw. And just because that possession ultimately ended in a touchdown doesn't let you off the hook for the bad throw a few plays earlier. I want to add one more thing before we move on to our final segment. I, I think that if you're flipping the script and flipping the score, Cairo Santos had an unacceptable day. 
Yeah. And I, I just think that five points on the board, who knows if he would have made that field goal without the penalty, but the two extra points, you can't accept those kinds of things from a kicker that you have come to rely upon. Now he has put himself in a position to become almost indispensable and and you take for granted what he has offered the last couple seasons, but he did not deliver on Sunday. And if you're being critical of everything you wanted to see, but didn't Cairo Santos is on that list. No question. And listen, we'll give him three, four games ahead of us now with uh, better weather conditions and see if he can just basically get back into the Cairo Santos groove we're used to seeing and we'll give him a pass. But if this becomes a persistent problem, then we'll say, oh boy, the uh, the sloppy uh, puddles on the Bermuda grass ultimately sent Cairo Santos into a mental funk. So we'll see in the weeks ahead there. All right. Speaking of looking ahead, let's look ahead. Sunday night, national television audience, Lambeau Field, the Bears get to consult with part-time owner Aaron Rodgers and wonder what he thinks about the Arlington Heights project, but he will be busy trying to save and uh, rebuild the Packer offense, which struggled mightily in a season-opening loss to the Vikings. Well, that was unrecognizable for the, from the Packers' perspective. De- Devontae Adams is not yeah. through that door. Alan Lazard was injured. They were without both tackles, but you know what, Dan? That is an offense that is in a state of disarray. That is a team that needed the preseason. That is a football uh, operation right now in shambles. The scary thing for the Bears is that a year ago, the Packers went to Jacksonville and lost to the Saints 38-3. to And everyone said, uh-oh, they're in big, big trouble. And they came back the next week, played a division opponent at home, and rolled the Detroit Lions 35-17. to And so Roquan Smith said Monday afternoon he's fully expecting a pissed-off Aaron Rodgers to greet them in Green Bay on Sunday night. And I think he's going to be right about that. Rodgers knows what's at stake. He knows he certainly can't fall to 0-2 with two division losses to start the season. And so he's got to find answers in a very short period. Again, to your point, Devontae Adams looked a lot more comfortable without Aaron Rodgers than Aaron Rodgers looked without Devontae Adams on Sunday. And so the Packers have to find answers. Rodgers had two turnovers, an interception, and a strip sack fumble. And they obviously just couldn't get their offense unlocked at any point in Minnesota. And so they've got to get that figured out. They've got to get healthy, and certainly that will be a storyline, life without Devontae Adams and what Aaron Rodgers will do without him. But, Dan, also, the Bears, as we sit here to today, and it may change and it will, likely, if Vegas has its way, nine-point underdogs. <laughs> That's got to be a factor if you're Matt Eberflus, if you're this football team being disrespected after having one of the more inspiring victories of week one. Nobody seemed to have noticed or cared because the Bears are huge underdogs going into Lambeau despite uh, them coming in off a huge win and the Packers coming in off a huge loss. Well, we've seen the slaughter that Aaron Rodgers has put on this franchise in Lambeau Field on primetime over the years. I've watched too many games there under the lights where at halftime, you know, you're hearing Pitbull don't stop the party a hundred times on the, 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 the sound system to celebrate their touchdowns and their big plays. And, and it just becomes an Aaron Rodgers celebration show up there. And so the Bears have to figure out a way to be competitive early and stay competitive in that game. I will say this, notable on Monday afternoon for Matt Eberflus to downplay the Green Bay Packers as much as he did. Is it significant? I don't know, but it was in stark contrast to to most of the guys that sit in this chair in this building. We know what Lovey Smith said in his introductory press conference. We know how Matt Nagy treated it. We know how Mark Trespin was eager to beat the Packers. John Fox as well. Eberflus came in today and said, this is about us. We're going to put all the focus on us. We're not worried about Aaron Rodgers. We're not worried about the rivalry. We're not worried about the Green Bay Packers. We're focusing on us. We'll see what that turns into, but it's certainly, again, a notable contrast to the guys that have sat in that chair previously. You know why I like that or it didn't bother me? Number one, I didn't feel like he was pandering. Not that the other guys were. 
necessarily. I don't want to go through each guy and, and, and <laughs> dissect that again. But I feel like it was consistent with everything else we've heard from Matt Eberflus, not to make something more than he wants to make out of out of one individual moment or opponent. Yeah. He says that we need to control the controllables. And if you pay attention to everything the Bears have done so far, frankly, since he arrived, they have done their best to control the controllables. And that's all you can do as a football coach. So, yeah, the Packers game means more than the rest because it goes without saying the rivalry is there. He knows it. He respects it. And it will be there, you know, when they win in his mind. So right now, that's just they're on a roll. They've done things well. They were rewarded for the faith they placed into everything. And now, you know what? House Hall, the next meeting, the first meeting today when they reconvened at 11 o'clock on Monday morning, everybody's hearing got a little better because they're paying attention a little bit more and a little closer. It's easier to do when you're 1-0 and you show them evidence of the belief that they invested in the faith that they have in that coaching staff. Also fun for us that this game comes as early as it does, right? A lot of times those trips to Lambeau Field are when the Bears season is slipping away and you're just like, okay, this is just going to be the one of those those really sharp nails in the, in the coffin here. For the Bears to be in the position uh, at 1-0 to take a two-game lead on their division rival after two games of the season is significant. And it just adds a level of intrigue that I think the national audience um, can, can attach itself to and we don't have to, to, to sort of manufacture feelings about this game because of the rivalry and the hundred plus year history of it. It's now just about a, a very intriguing week two matchup against a team that surprised us in a good way on Sunday versus a team that surprised us in a bad way on Sunday. Okay. Before we wrap it up, anything else that we left out in terms of aftermath of the victory news and notes nuggets from a Monday at Hallis Hall, looking ahead to the Packers. Anything that we overlooked? I think we covered a lot of ground. Yeah, I think we did as well. I think this team's just got to make sure that they do exactly what they did when they left Cleveland with those good vibrations and just get right back to work and understand what this is about. This is about being immersed in the process. And every single week, you got to detach yourself from that result and get right back into the process. So let's see if they can do that. 